welcome to a bonus episode of Gin and Gentlemen with me, Eleanor Harkstead, bringing the gin. And accompanied by an old Masonic hall containing just one gentleman, Catherine Curzon. <laughs> um, we're in the uh, Premier Inn in Bath. We are. Um, and I had a shower rather <clears throat> than a bath just now. <laughs> And it's it's the morning after um, the premiere of being Mr Wickham, which if you heard our last podcast, which lots of you did, <laughs> you'll know all about that. And it was a good night, wasn't it? It was very good. It was a triumph. So if you know me, I'll be boring you with it for weeks. Uh, it was, and it was a it was a lovely treat to see um, Mr Lucas play it Mr was. Wickham again after all these years. It was so fantastic. Really good, really. Um, but because of this, um, and because I've been Wickhaming for weeks getting everything ready we have a slightly different gin and gentlemen for you today which is um our thoughts on a film we watched yes and i i have spent four weeks out of the past six weeks being either ill with the virus with no energy or hopping around on a crutch so so there's been a bit exhausting and, and not much time to do anything so but hence, my news is probably more exciting than that yeah but probably yes yeah. <laughs> so bon- bonus episode it is yeah so if you haven't seen the film we're about to talk about don't worry about that because um there's lots of entertainment for you anyway yeah, so i think we adequately bring it to life so we'll <laughs> see you in a few weeks with a full episode of gin and gentlemen bye bye Welcome to Gin and Gentlemen with me, Eleanor Harkstead, bringing a bonus episode. <laughs> and because it's Sunday afternoon, we have no gin as yet, no. but accompanied by a palace full of gentlemen, Catherine Curzon, for a little Gin and Gentlemen uncorked, as I'm calling it. Eleanor's not, but I am <laughs> uncorked. Unzipped. <laughs> and this weekend... Eleanor has been to God's own country, Yorkshire, (laughs) and we have had a deluge of rain, which meant that we had lots of time to sit in the house and drink bottles of wine, (laughs) eat sweets, eat chips and watch telly. Which is just what the Brontes used to do famously. We were recreating the parsonage at Howarth (laughs) with our chips and telly and wine. And one of the things that we watched on Friday night, and we started it at about midnight, <laughs> was a film called Princess in Love. So I said that, Princess in Love. Princess in Love. <laughs> Not so much Venus in blue jeans. No. And this was a film made in 1996. Um, it's a TV movie, and it's about Princess Diana. Yes, she is, of course, the princess of the title. She is, and she is in love. She and who was, and she was in love with Major James allegedly. Hewitt. Major James Hewitt, allegedly. And the film is based on Anna Pasternak's book, also called Princess in Love. Which, if I reach back into the mists of time to mm. nineteen ninety four, when I was but a snip of a girl, not so much, not quite a little bit older than that, <laughs> it was a bit of a cause célèbre because yes. there was. A whole thing in the press about Diana allegedly having an affair with Captain, when she met him later, Major James Hewitt. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the fallout from that and the fallout from that book and from Diana's famous interviews and from a whole host of stuff that mm. happened that we in the public kind of know, I imagine, as the saying goes, six and one and a half dozen another. Obviously the marriage of the Prince and Princess of Wales ended. 
It did. I remember when I was very, very small, I remember the Prince and Princess of Wales getting married. And even though I was very small, it was a massive event. And they had a street party in my road and they shot the road. And um, I had a little tricycle with red, white and blue ribbons on the handlebars and a paper plate with their faces on it um, <laughs> stuck on the back of it like a spare tyre. Um, and then went to, the, went to the street party and it was a massive event. So when their marriage hit the skids, I think it affected people a lot because it was something it was just like part of the fabric yeah. of the universe. In a sense. When they got married, I was on holiday in Wales with my family and my grand and granddad. And it's notable only for the fact that we drove all the way from Nottinghamshire to Wales and I was flying all the way and literally as we pulled into the driveway of where we were staying, I vomited all over the backseat of the car. (laughs) (laughs) So I chose my moment and I also bought a Superman kite. So I missed some of the Royal Wedding because my Superman kite was more exciting. (laughs) Um, So there are Royal Wedding memories. Um, And there was a reason we selected Princess in Love from the... Mm innumerable things available and i will just say here if the audio on this sounds a bit weird it's because we are using a slightly different method of recording because we're not with our usual equipment so apologies if it does but if it doesn't right. never mind if we doesn't you can, eleanor you can, can cut this you can marvel at your speakers and go i can't hear anything different at all <laughs> but now i've told you you're gonna hear you'll yeah. listen for it um so eleanor why did we choose princess in love well if you've heard our second podcast which is called fighting at gravesides with grayson sinclair um the actor who played the legendary grayson was christopher villas and christopher villas plays captain slash major hewitt in Princess in Love. So, you know, in, in the name of completeness, uh, it was very important that we watch this. And also because he's strutting around in military uniform. Mm. So, And he does it ever so well. He so, does it very well. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Princess in Love, and you really should, you can see it on Amazon Prime, certainly in the UK. Yes. And it's also available on DVD for you to watch and watch again. And I'm sure it must crop up on TV from time to time. I'm sure it time. must, yes. But... We thought we would share our thoughts with you because we enjoyed it immensely. Um, And we have some notes. But what I will say is all of this is in the spirit of fun. It's a very singular sort of film. Um, I don't think it's set out to change anyone's world. And I don't think it's set out to be Citizen Kane. No. But it is a lot of fun. And it's particularly a lot of fun if you have a bottle of really nice wine with it. Yes. So, Princess in Love starts with Charles and Diana in already in turmoil. Yes. So, Diana's doing a lot of storming about, and Charles is doing a lot of looking helpless in a garden. Yeah, and then he's, he's often reading a book because he's an intellectual, apparently. Yeah, so. he is. Um, and the one thing I will say is that if you have a short attention span, you're going to love it. Oh, yes. Because the scenes are very, very short. Yes. I mean, this film could easily have been half an hour longer because often it's mm. like, Balmoral, oh, here we are. What are we doing here? Oh, we're doing a thing. Right, OK. Oh, suddenly we're in the next scene. <laughs> yeah, and to me, it was like the equivalent, if you like, of um, a magazine column. Yes. In that it was jumping along very, very quickly. It actually spans, I think, five years in 90 minutes. Yes. And it bounces along and you get a little caption to help you. Yes. You know, Buckingham Palace and Balmoral and wherever, Kensington Palace. And then we cut to one of a lot of different interiors. <laughs> Surprisingly not filmed on location in Balmoral and Windsor. Yes, I think I think possibly the Queen just said a very a very stern no. <laughs> if they Can we ask. film in Buckingham? No. <laughs> and 
in the film, Diana's feeling a bit unloved, mm. um, and Charles is spending a lot of time with Camilla, mm. who will be familiar to people who were around in the 80s. If you hear me clicking, it's because we're looking at things like Castless. Because she is played by Julia Singen, who was famous in the 80s, 80s, 90s? Oh, yeah, 90s. 90s for being one of the stars of the Britass Empire. Oh, the Britass Empire. The Britass Empire with Chris Barry. Which was a weirdly Partridgean sort of thing in a weird way. I think but, he knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's Camilla. But anyway, Charles is spending a lot of time with Camilla and Diana's spending a lot of time feeling a bit unloved. So <laughs> she decides, and this is not a double entendre, that she wants to book up her riding skills. And conveniently, she decides this just as she's at some sort of do. There's some, some dude playing a piano, people in posh frocks standing about with drinks. And she turns around and swing! Who should be stood there but Christopher Villi... Oh, sorry, Captain Hewitt um, in, in his... Wasn't was it Mestress? I think it was I think it, it was Mestress. Yes. It if was, it wasn't Mestress, it was Mestress later. He was looking on. fine. Looking fine. And then at that point she said, I really want to improve I want to do far more riding than I've been doing, which isn't a double entendre at all, is it? <laughs> and who better to show you how to ride than a dashing soldier in his amazingly polished boots. So Princess Diana goes off for a riding lesson. I've been laughing every time I say riding lessons. <laughs> goes off for her riding lessons. And to be fair, like, you know, I, I know how to ride. She's pretty hot on a horse from the start. And she's got the actress who plays her. She's not the tallest of ladies. But she's not. But horse look quite big. She's on a big horse. Julie Cox is the actress that plays her. We will come on to, I think, later we will consider the performances. <laughs> um, but she's all, obviously, she knows how to ride. Mm. But perhaps it wasn't the horse she was interested in. No. So... Things move on a pace. They gallop. They gallop. <laughs> and um, my perhaps my favourite scene was the scene where I can't remember what. Oh, Diana and Charles were arguing again. Oh yes. In one of a multitude of country houses that are standing in for That's probably a golf club. The homes <laughs> of the Queen, and she came out onto the um, the landing to rant at Charles as he walked away. And as she was ranting, a woman came out of a room behind her with grey hair, glasses and carrying a corgi. Who could it be? Who could be looking daggers at her but the Queen? And it's a massive corgi. It is a huge corgi. It's and like, well, I think it might actually be a retriever in costume. Do you think? Because it was huge. And the corgi is the corgi is played by the Queen <laughs> is played by Lisa Danielli who was famous in um, the 1950s and she was the leading lady in The Invisible Man and she's, she's you know, she's obviously a, a strong woman because that's a big corgi. And she looks a bit, there's a photo of her here from the 50s or early 60s and she, she's got a bit of a Liz Taylor vibe going on there. Yeah, I think she was known as, I'm not sure, she was, but I've seen, I've seen her referred to as the English Elizabeth Taylor. And the last credit... Well, Liz, you know, English was, was English, but, the, yeah. you know, Britain's Liz Taylor that she was working yeah. in Britain. And, and her very last credit was Princess in Love and in terms of screen, so... Yeah, and she was also in Goldeneye, so there's something we didn't know. She was in Goldeneye? Yeah, playing Wren Captain in Goldeneye. Wren? But she's got... You know, everyone in it's got a pretty stellar career. Oh, she played fair. Princess Mary in the first Churchill, so she has yeah. that sort of regal Yeah, sort of regal bearing. Um, so Diana is unhappy, and Diana's unhappy manifests itself in shouting at an assistant to buy a blouse. 
I'm not wearing that, it's mauve. Yeah, and obviously a blouse is serious business. Um, and the only person that Diana can rely on... Well, there are two people that Diana can confide in. One is the lovely Captain Hewitt, and the other is Sarah Ferguson. Although I would say you wouldn't know that. <laughs> because the actress who plays Sarah Ferguson, although the performance is fine, again, yeah. bears no resemblance whatsoever to Sarah Ferguson. No. And you're going to hear typing mix. I'm not sure who plays her. It's, no. Um, she, uh, if you think of Sarah Ferguson, apart from things involving f- toes, um, <laughs> her famous thing is her, her flaming red hair. Yeah. And they cast someone who at best has strawberry blonde hair. So, um, yeah, and I think as well, she's a kind of... Um, Sarah Ferguson's known for sort of jolly hockey sticks meth mm. way about her, where this lady is... She's, she's very... Very sort of willowy, modelly. She hasn't yeah. got that kind of very British jolly hockey. The performance, as I say, is fine. She didn't do a snorty laugh. No, she didn't. <laughs> and that was quite sad. So oh, I thought it was strange. And we had an issue with hair colour for um, Princess William and Harry as well. Yes. In that they didn't have that distinctive blonde in, in and fact, red she, hair. There was, no, In fact, I'm wondering if that was deliberate. Let's, let's hide the ginger hair from this film. <laughs> and I'm not going to expand on that. Hasn't James Hewitt got ginger hair as well? Hewitt has ginger hair. So everybody with ginger hair in reality was not in the film having ginger hair. And to be honest, this is the kind of, um, uh, you know, taking the ginger people out, it's it's a very mean thing to do to a minority. It is, (laughs) it's terrible. And it's strange, particularly in the case of someone like Prince Harry or Sarah Ferguson, who's very associated with that. Mm. That's part of the thing, isn't it? You know, Mm. and it's not there. No, no. I mean, you'd think even, you know, you can hire a wig. You're a film company. I know, but... <laughs> but then again, if the Queen had a wig, maybe all the money for wigs went on her It wig. was a good wig. It and was a good wig. Yeah, it was a good wig. And I... Yeah, it's nothing worse than a bad wig. That's true. A, a, so, a fancy dress shop wig. Yeah, the film relied on a lot of either you knowing what had happened. Because I think at the time people would know that definitely, story. Definitely. And you were watching it in this because you'd think, oh, that's that like saucy story about Princess Diana. But the film relied on you knowing that, but it also relied a lot on people saying oh you know as as my son prince william said <laughs> what terry pratchett would call your father the king moment yes. well as you know your father the king said so and so um oh, because every time prince charles referred to his mum he, he would refer to her as the queen instead of mummy or Mama. whatever yeah you know which just seemed a bit strange the queen unless it's to show i don't know they're, they're sort of suggesting that they're a bit stiff or something yeah like maybe that that. Why, but it's, it's a not... joke there somewhere <laughs> But um, Diana eventually, obviously, as allegedly happened, allegedly, began her affair with James Hewitt. And again, there was, it felt to me as if it was a mini series yeah. made into a TV movie. Yeah. Because there wasn't, there was very much a build up, a quick build up of yeah. them becoming friends. Mm. But the jump from friends to lovers was. It came out of the blue, really, didn't it? It came out of the blue and over a looked like a nice piece of steak. <laughs> in the film no that's not a joke and that's dinner it's not a joke and it's very it's it's nothing that's going to make your granny blush no it's no. it's pretty coy isn't it yeah i mean if, if we say to you chris villa's strips and that sounds quite exciting 
but it's a reverse strip where he's wearing his boxer shorts over his trousers <laughs> and a and a kilt isn't he wearing or something? No, like that? oh that was his tra- it was, was his his shorts and and, he, and then he does although he whipped his shirt off and he started unbuttoning it and then just whipped it off and they deliberately positioned it so that he was looking in a mirror and then he turned and, and walked across the room so you could see his his chest and you could see his back reflected in the mirror because you know he's basically objectified. Yeah. <laughs> Which I suppose that in a way it's called Princess in Love. They've got to make him seem desirable. Yeah, he's like your Prince Charming. Yeah, why is he why is Diana risking everything with this man? And I he think has an amazing back. They were probably taking a guess, potentially correctly, I imagine, in 1996 that the line show of the audience were probably going to be women. Yeah. Or gay men. Or gay men. <laughs> I think women. Yeah. So it was serving that, but as yes. I say, if it it, it's going to be a PG at worst. Yeah. So we all, you know, when there is sex, it's it's it's, it's, it's we it's, come in at the last two seconds. Yes, it's of the, the last. Sex. It's the last. Uh, yeah, and then the cutting. and then they roll aside. They roll aside. But we do know from a scene with an angry close protection officer who's had to like listen into it because he's looking after <laughs> her that he's had to hear a lot more. He's saying, "Oh, I didn't sign up for this. Oh, I signed up for bodyguard work, not pornography." But but the noise they're making basically sounds like two people very excited over a creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 that's oh, a nice creme brulee. Oh, well, that's nice. That's a nice spot of creme oh. brulee. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a funny old film. Mm, it, what's quite funny is there's always, and maybe this is because of the Captain novels, and there's something a bit Captain Thorne-esque about the way that Captain Hewitt comports himself when he's with his soldiers that kind of makes it look like he probably would have had more fun with the chaps. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a bit, there's this bit where he's in a bar in his uniform, of course, and he's on the phone That's mess dress. Oh yes, yeah. he's, he's talking to Diana, and then these two guys come up, and then there's kind of a bit of a bit of horseplay. It's a metaphorical towel flicking. Yes, and and then, and you're just there going, just go off with the guys. Yeah, you're going to be happier. Gonna <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a lot easier. In They're the not run. married to the heir to the throne. It's probably going to be easier. <laughs> um, but it's the one thing we did find quite odd is we weren't entirely sure who our point of contact was supposed to be. If you like. Mm. So the film, I think we went in just thinking it was going to be very much uh, pro Diana, mm. and you know, poor Diana had her husband was cheating on her, so she looked mm. for love where she could find it. But it actually does a good job, I think, of making you feel more sorry for Prince Charles and Camilla. Mm. And it, and they had a lovely they had a lovely relationship, and there's this very sweet bit where Charles is planting out some pansies. And, yeah. uh, and he's with Camilla and then there's a bit of horseplay I think she ends up in a wheelbarrow and he he's pushes like her pushing along her around and they're having this lovely laugh and a lovely time <laughs> and it's that thing of the other romance that is sort of forgotten about is Charles loved Camilla and wasn't allowed to marry her because she if she got divorced he couldn't marry her and I think times have changed a bit with that mm. attitude but it's kind of that's kind of like oh that's really sad <laughs> yeah and I think as well that it's it's a if you write something you read or watch it's that strange thing. If somebody is depicted as having this all-consuming passion mm. and everything in their life is about one person, mm. that it's quite... And this is not talking about the real people. It's talking about the way it came across on mm. screen. Mm. That it's a very needy, consuming passion and it's quite hard to watch as a spectator. Yeah. And not to say, God, can you imagine that? Would be, Imagine being caught in that. Yeah. And that if at any point you want to do something that isn't with that person or, you know... Mm. That if you become the focal point of someone's affection who feels that I have no affection elsewhere, 
Mm. I mean, in the film they talked about her children, but you didn't see a lot of that. No, but there was a very funny bit where she goes into a bedroom and there's these two bodies under the under the, blanket, under the blanket, and we were laughing and going, "Wouldn't it be funny if you pulled it back and it was Charles and Camilla?" <laughs> but it was actually it was actually her sons, but <laughs> who didn't look like her sons. <laughs> no, they didn't. Obviously, we write romance, but it's funny because I think if we'd written that, we would have if we had written those characters behaving in the way they did, that I. I don't think we would have considered Diana and Hewitt as our hero characters. No. Because it was... I, I suppose it's difficult. You've got 90 minutes and then you've got a lot to pack in. Yeah. It was a funny old film. I've just said that twice. It was a fun, yeah. three times funny, funny old film. film. It was like... There were just moments where the delightful term is known as info dumping or exposition. Yes. Where, where there's just sudden... Like, she's talking to James Hewitt and there's this, like, you know, it could be quite a nice little scene. It's it's the evening. They're sitting together in a, on a sofa. And I don't know what they've just talked about. Something fairly pedestrian. And she suddenly goes, I have bulimia. Yeah, it just came out. <laughs> and he's like... And he just looked really surprised, like... <laughs> Which you would. Yeah, I think we've all been there to some extent where someone suddenly says something you're not expecting, you're like, ah. Uh. <laughs> and then he goes, perhaps you should get therapy. And the very next scene is is this woman explaining to her about bulimia in a way that makes it appealing. Yeah, <laughs> so which like, is... Apart from obvi- the obvious issues it, of it yeah. being not a good thing at yes, all. But, yeah. Um, but it's... Yeah. yeah, and I think, again, that's probably a casualty of the 90-minute running time. Oh, yeah. And I don't know... I'd be interested to know in America if it had a two-hour slot or if it was mm. 90 minutes but actually had adverts in that slot as well. I'm assuming it was a two-hour slot. Yeah, probably. It's also wonderfully 90s. Yes. Like, it's of the 90s, even though it's set in the 80s. Well, it's set 80s into 90s, but it's very much of when it was made. Mm. So there's a lot of 90s, you know, pleated trousers, <laughs> pastel wall freezers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's this bit where they... Um, Diana and <coughs> are in this cafe slash restaurant. I mean, it doesn't look very... I'm sure it's an up, it look upscale good, restaurant. It? And it had this... Um, <laughs> me and Catherine both at the same time went, look at that freeze. And it was just this kind of... I, this little wax effect sort of... Yeah, yellow freeze. And it was like yellow a dado and, rail. Yes, and it was yellow and purple, which I think for anyone who remembers the 90s will remember yes. yellow and purple was quite highly featured yes. in the it, 90s. It would not have been out of place in the first episode of Cold Feet <laughs> or the first series of Cold Feet. Or even the Britas Empire. The Britas Empire. <laughs> But it sounds like we're not hatcheting the film at all. No. And the one thing I will say, to be fair, is that David Green directed it, who was a director of many years' experience, mm. directed Roots, directed some prestigious productions, extremely experienced, but obviously a director for hire. Yeah. So f- the directing was fine. The acting was... Nobody was shabby in the acting. No. But I think maybe there was too much with too little runtime. Yeah. And we need to shout out to Prince Charles. We haven't shouted out to his actor, Christopher Bowen, who, if you look up his CV, has got a huge CV. Mm. Um, you know, very experienced actor, well-known face. And although it looks nothing like Prince Charles, keeping up the tradition of nobody in the film, <laughs> looking like they should, really good actor. Mm. And the one thing I'll say for Julie Cox was that she was very, very good, but one of the things about Princess Diana, whether you liked her or not, it's not about that, was she was very tall and mm. physically a striking tall figure, whereas Julie Cox is quite short. Yeah, and she's quite waif-like. Mm, she's... So she's got the the slender build, mm. but without the height. And it's strange because usually when I watch a film and it's got people who are depicting real people, I say, well, they don't have to be lookalikes. But the one thing I always think about Diana is how tall and striking she was. Yeah. 
I'm not even sure that she... I'm going to have to Google it now. How tall was she? Well, there's that scene where yeah, Charles is dancing with Camilla at some sort of do and she turns up, but she's kind of having to peer over Camilla's arm. Yeah. She's, she's, it doesn't so she was five work. foot eight, so not actually that tall. No, taller than me. Yeah, did she wear a heel? Perhaps. And she would have had a heel. But there's, there's that really famous footage, isn't there, of Diana dancing with that... I can't remember what she was dancing with. John Travolta. Oh, it could be, yeah. And, and she looks stunning. It must be hard, because I can't think of the top of my head of an actor who looks exactly like Princess Diana. <laughs> no, and I think it's one of those parts that, you know, that most people that have played her come a cropper. Yeah. Because people have such a preconception. But like I say, this is not a criticism of all of the actors. It was a good performance. Yeah, so Julie Cox's performance was fine with the material that's mm. You know, because it's difficult if you've got if you've got very very short scenes <coughs> where a lot is being conveyed, it can be a bit clunky, and it's not really the actor's yeah, fault, is it? Not, or no. the director? It's yeah. It's... I I think at no point when we and we did at points like laugh, <laughs> but at no point we've all seen films where we laugh at a performance. Yeah. But at no point in this did that happen. No. That was the funny thing. We laughed at you know the queen carrying a corgi. Yeah. Um, and things like that because <laughs> it didn't look like a corgi that was naturally a carrying size. No, it, I think there was possibly she, she might, there might have been some sort of pneumatic lift. Yeah, like someone just stuck it in her arms as she was going out onto the soundstage. <laughs> but it was a good Friday night view. It was. It had an excellent Chris Villas being pushed into a swimming pool, fully dressed, which was a nice moment, which is a sort of thing you know, we can fully get behind from the things we write. And he, and he seemed to quite enjoy the experience, I he think. He did seem, because you're feisty lady. Fe- feisty, feisty princess. Feisty filly. Feisty. But the one thing that I wish it had had was a bit more... Firstly, a bit more chemistry between everyone, but again, mm. that's the casualty of these short scenes. Yeah. But I also wish it had had a bit more development mm. of what was happening, which is why I wonder if somewhere, you know, like another half an hour sitting in a film can somewhere. Yeah. Because it felt like, particularly at the end of the affair, when, you know, we're not spoiling for anyone here that that affair ended <laughs> did, did badly. Did you know they're not actually married? Yeah, that affair ended badly. That at that point, that one minute they seemed, you know, he was in the Persian Gulf. Oh yeah, he was he was in the Persian Gulf, which they did with this. There was stock footage was used in this film, wasn't it? Yeah, which we couldn't say it's a TV movie. They're not going to be shipping people off. It was it was obviously like footage from Iraq, but it was American soldiers, and Mm -hmm. then suddenly you were underneath a cargo net next to a tank with with um, Hewitt shaving with his mirror propped up. Again, I can get behind that. Yeah, I can fully get behind that. And then someone's got a newspaper, and it's alleging that he's got a girlfriend, and Diana was very upset. Yeah, but there wasn't a moment where she went, "That's it, Hewitt." get stuffed and that didn't happen so the next thing you know is there's two cars pulling up in a lane Hewitt was driving a classic Saab classic Saab and then he got into the car I was happy to spot (laughs) yeah he got in the car with Diana and just went I'm selling my story to the papers. No, I think he said he'd sold it already. And he oh, was yes. So, but we never saw a moment at which I would have put in a scene, I would have put in a scene, where she saw the newspaper yeah. that he'd sold the story. Yeah. And... It was. It would have been nice to see a bit more of what went into the decisions that were made mm. to sell the story and how did the affair end, and because I think that's a, a strong point in any story. For like, you have this like massively fast burn affair and then it ends. Mm. But in this, I felt like we were robbed of that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we you know it's it's called Princess in Love, and suddenly it's it's like Princess fizzles out. Princess fizzles <laughs> out, and obviously there's a there's probably an issue with it being obviously Princess Diana at the time was still with us, and there's an issue with it depicting people, real people, and mm. certainly I assume I'm not sure because I don't know the book, but I think I could be wrong. I think that it's a James Hewitt perspective on it, but I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure about that. I know of the book, but I haven't read it. So obviously, 
it has to be careful in that the filmmakers, as I was doing our podcast here, we don't want to get sued. They don't want to get sued. No. So all you can really say is this is one version of the events. Yeah. And I think that presented it in a way that was... Nobody watching it would have thought they were watching a documentary. No. But the Queen was only... She only had two scenes, didn't she? She only had two scenes. She had, she had the silent corgi glare scene. And then there was a scene where she was um, having dinner with uh, breakfast with Charles. But I kind of think maybe she... Sh- well, then again... You kind of feel like she should have been in it a bit more and sort of saying to Charles, you know, what what, what are you doing? You know, you can't yeah, get divorced. Yeah. And that didn't really happen. But that's something that I remember from the 90s would come up. Yeah. yeah. But then again, I suppose we don't want to get sued. So. No, I'm just looking for the back cover copy. Just say on the front cover, exposed the heartbreaking affair revealed by her lover, Ooh. which suggests some level of collaboration by Hewitt. Um mm. Sorry about the clicking, everyone. Yes, it sounds like it was written with his collaboration. I'm not 100% sure about that. Mm. Um, The truth can be known. His love, support and encouragement played a vital role in helping Princess Diana through her marriage breakdown and enabling her to develop the inner strength she displayed after her separation from Prince Charles. I didn't see that in the film. No, it just seemed like she was crumbling. Yeah, and she seemed to be crumbled at the end. Yeah. She just put on her big black sunglasses and looked devastated. Yeah. Gosh. I didn't get that from it at all. No. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, if you've read the book and seen the film, maybe you have a different opinion. Um, But we we enjoyed it. (laughs) Not going to lie. And I'm going to give it a four out of four. A four out of four. I'm giving it a four out of four on one particular criteria, which was fun value. Fun, yes. Yeah, if you were saying, like, what are you giving it in terms of it being a well-made, cohesive, everything rolling, rolling along, the relationships are seen to develop... It really gets under the skin of the characters. I'm not going to give it four. No. But in terms of Friday night film with a mate and some food and drink. And there was, as I always say, you know, I could enjoy the view. Yeah. I suppose because it was going on at such a pace with the scenes being short, you, you weren't bored. You were never bored. Yeah, and you weren't going, oh, how much longer have I got to watch this for? It was, it was enjoyable. Um, yeah, the uniforms were lovely. Oh yes, yes, that's that's top marks for that. So. It was a, yeah. I never felt you know when you have that thing, even a short film. Sometimes you watch it, you say, oh "My God, how long has this been on?" Yeah, never got that. No, we were probably enjoying the films for reasons that the person who made that film or the team that made it probably weren't intending, <laughs> or maybe they were. I think a little bit of it. A little bit. Was, actually. A little bit. Yeah. Um, so we a little bit on what happened next, in case anyone wonders. Well. We all know what happened next to Charles, Camilla and Princess Diana. Yeah. But what happened to Major Hewitt? Mm. So we turned to the, the internet. Cad. The CAD. That's not <laughs> what we're calling him. But some people do call some him Some people cad. do call him a CAD. We are not calling anyone anything other than their name. That he had a period of very, very, very ill health mm. in the past few years. Um, I believe in the time immediately following the coming out of the affair and mm. the books coming out and things like that he was vilified i think mm. i certainly remember you know people calling the cat and the bounder yeah. in the press that he you know he's kiss and tell yeah and gentlemen don't kiss and tell and yes as we say he had a period of extremely ill health and i believe he's now living a quiet life yeah it's possible that you know their, their affair had gone on in secret then it became public and then it because of who she was it couldn't go on any longer could it mm. no and i think you know because he was seen to have sold his story say it's the kiss and tell thing yeah that perhaps it had a, it had a bad outcome for him in some ways but i believe he did go into other avenues into business and i mm. think he appeared on some reality tv 
Um, but yes, no, the I think X he's factor, um, I believe the X Factor. <laughs> I think he's living a quiet life. Yeah. No word on what he thinks of Princess in Love, the movie. No. I mean, I don't know, to be honest, I bet when he saw, like... Who they Mr. cast. Mr. Mr. He, was like, yes. he was like, whoa, yeah. Yes! <laughs> I can get fully behind that. <laughs> so that is our thoughts on Princess in Love. little bonus uncorked for you. You should definitely go and watch it. Yeah. If you haven't seen it. Um, because you're in for a treat. And when you next see the Queen carrying a corgi, you can say that we sent you. Yeah. Bye! Bye! <coughs> So, Catherine, who's putting the fizz in your gin? Um, there can only be one candidate, and it's second second podcast running. It's Adrian Lucas because he absolutely, as we say, slayed it last yes. night. Looked amazing. Performance was amazing. And as I said afterwards to um, to him, actually, because I was a bit overwhelmed, that man is magic. <laughs> it was like watching alchemy. So thank you very much, Adrian. Very, very much. And... Come and see us in Stamford because we're performing there on the 29th of September. But there are only like three seats left. So come and see us if you can. Otherwise, sorry. Otherwise, <laughs> tough. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, Eleanor, who's putting the fizz in your gin? Um, the choir in Bath Abbey. There you go. There you go. That's a bit different, isn't it's it? It's a bit different, but I, I popped into Bath Abbey yesterday while um, Catherine was preparing in the, in the theatre, Masonic Hall. And... Um, and I happened to just pop in and there was a service going and the choir was singing and it sounded lovely. So there you go. That that, And then I did drink some gin later, so I that was good. Great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Out of the inkwell. And there is one thing that's recently climbed out of the inkwell, <laughs> which is The Captain and the Theatrical. Yes. That's our new Captain novel, and it's had some lovely reviews, so thank you. And it's a dragtastic Regency rom-com. And you can also snap up The Ghost Garden oh, yes. for just 99 pence on, well, your favoured ebook retailer. Yes, it's on, it's on um, Kobo UK and Amazon UK until the 18th, so you've only got a couple of days. Yeah, so go and get it. And that's a ghostly paranormal story with a nice bit of romance in the 1920s. But if that's your bag, grab that. But if you prefer um, a couple of gents tooling about Regency England, grab yourself the captain and the theatrical. And enjoy. And have a lovely autumn. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Find out more at our website, curzonharksdid.co.uk. And thank you, purple-planet.com, for the music. <laughs>